On Friday night, um, after Court and I put the kiddos to bed, we sat down and watched Dateline, which just kind of lets you know about how lame we are right now in this phase of life. And I'm sorry if I insulted you if you did the same thing. You're not lame. It's a special episode on this guy named Dr. Kent Brantley. Raise your hand if you know who Kent Brantley is, if you've heard of him. He's been in the news uh, a lot recently. Um, Dr. Brantley is an American doctor. For the past several years, he has been living in Africa. For the past several months, he's been specifically working in Liberia, serving and treating and helping Africans that have contracted Ebola. I don't know if you've read the papers, if you've seen it on your Twitter feed or whatever it is that you're doing to to learn about what's going on in the world around you. Since March, about 1,500 people have died in West Africa alone because of this virus. It's one of the most lethal and deadly viruses there are around because there's no known cure. There's a 90% mortality rate. Dr. Kent Brantley understood what he was stepping into. He understood that, that the way this virus is contracted is through person to person. And so we were watching this documentary, this interview on Friday night, and they showed all the precautions that were made as he goes to work with his patients. And how, they'll, how they'll clothe them out and, um, from head to toe in this, this white robe made of plastic. They put two sets of rubber gloves on his hand. They, they cover his head and they put these goggles on him. There's nothing about his body that can be exposed. And for months, this guy's been working 16 to 18 hour days taking care of these sick people. There's only been one person that he treated that survived. And yet still day in and day out, he would get up and he would go and take care of these sick people. Somehow, Kent contracted Ebola. And there was this line as we were watching it on Friday night that he said, and Ken is a Christian. He's, his parents were Christians. His grandparents were Christians. He loved the Lord Jesus incredibly deeply. And he said this line. He said, there was a point in my sickness. He said, where I, I just looked at God and I prayed. I said, God, I know that you can heal me. But if you don't, I will not deny you. Here's this man that he, he's, he's young, he was healthy, he has two beautiful children, he's, he's married, and he has every reason in the world to, to be frustrated, to be disappointed, to ask questions, and yet his prayer was, God, I know you can heal me, but if you don't, I will not deny you. We turned the show off, and I've just been like crying like a big baby, and just moved deeply by, by this. And I lay down and I, I lay beside Court and I lay my head on the pillow and I'm just looking at her and I said, Court, I want to know God more. She's like, what do you mean? I said, there was something about his life. There's something about Camp Brantley's life that helped me see the goodness and the realness and the beauty of God. And as he was talking, all I could think about was I wanted to know God more. 
there are so many places that we could start talking about the Holy Spirit. He's mentioned all over the Bible. He's in Genesis 1. He's in Revelation 22. He fills every page in between. We've chosen to start in Ezekiel 36. I love this passage in particular because it gives us this big picture of who the Holy Spirit is given to and why the Holy Spirit is given. He doesn't answer all of our questions, but he, he helps us understand, at least in a little bit better way than we knew before, who the Holy Spirit is given to and why he's given. Give you a little context leading up to Ezekiel. I don't know if you've read the book of Ezekiel in a long time. I just want to kind of give you a, a little bit of understanding of what's going on. The people in this story are a lot like us. They're people who had all kinds of access to God. In fact, the people of Israel, the people that they are writing about in the book of Ezekiel, in their time had more access to God than any other people. They had his scriptures. They had the temple, which meant they had his presence. They had his promises. They had the pedigree. These people had seen the goodness of God. They had encountered the goodness of God. It reminds me of us in Nashville. Not all of us understand that all of you didn't grow up and hearing about Jesus. But living in the, the belt buckle, the Bible belt in America, God is everywhere. He's on our bumper stickers. <laughs> we have churches, like there are three on every corner. Literally there are two on this corner. <laughs> we have Christian universities. We have Christian bookstores. Dave says that we have like Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. Like we have all, we have Christianities everywhere. And yet just like the people of Israel, so often we choose to live life away from God. That though we had encountered God, though we have seen God, though we have access to God 24-7, so often we choose to settle for a lesser life. I love what God says in Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 22, to these people who'd been settling for a lesser life. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name the name which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. First thing that I want us to, to think about this morning before we, we jump into the Holy Spirit, I want us, to, we, gotta, we gotta work through some things. And it's so incredibly important for us to understand the second part of verse 23, that it's always been the heart of God for the world to know Him, for the nations to know Him, for every single person to know Him. 
I was driving to work on Thursday morning and there was terrible traffic coming in on 40 and it took me over an hour to get to work and I was noticing like in just standstill traffic I noticed this uh, middle-aged Hispanic man and, and to my right there was this young African-American woman and my whole drive in I saw all these different people from all these different backgrounds and all these different races and it just hit me that the reason that we are on planet earth is to know God and it's not just to, to know facts about him. It's not just to, to show up at church and to check a card. But the reason that he has created us is to know his heart. To, to enjoy him. And I think about just like the people of Israel, so often we just get sidetracked. We settle for such a lesser life. You know, isn't it so easy to, to just get in the swing of things where we, we just start living for ourselves? that all we can think about is making money, our next career move, getting into that relationship, having a baby. We spend our life taking care of our yard, trying to become a scratch golfer, playing in three basketball leagues. And all these things are good and all these things matter. But God is saying, man, the reason I've put you here is to know me. The reason I've put you here is so that the world can know me. And if you miss that, oh, you've missed big time. In Ezekiel chapter 36, I love it because God chose this little, this insignificant group of people. And he looks at them and he says, I want you to know me, but I don't just want you to know me. I want you to make me known. I want you to know me and I want you to make me known. He says, know me. He says, have friendship with me. Have intimacy with me. I love that song that Adam and Kayla were leading us in. God says, man, know my heart. God looks at us and he says, know what, I'm, what I care about. Recognize my voice. Know what I'm passionate about doing. Know me, know my heart, know my name, know my character, know everything there is to know about me. Know me. He says, and then go and tell the world. Show and tell them who I am and what I'm like. And I love this because all throughout the course of human history, from the very beginning, this is the conversation that, that God Almighty has been having with his people. It's a conversation he had with Adam and Eve where he said, man, I want you to know me. We're going to take walks in the garden every day. And make me known. To do what I do. Rule over this world with me. Take care of the animals. Take care of the garden. Take care of this world with me. He says, know me and make me known. He says the same thing to Abraham and to Moses and to Joshua. He says it to the Israelites. He says it to the church. He says it to every one of us. Know me and make me known. And verse 23 sums up what all of us have done with this grand invitation. God says, you have profaned my name among the nations. In other words, God says, you didn't do it. You didn't make me known. You haven't made me known. In fact, you've done the exact opposite. The world now knows less of who I am because of you. 
You've only made this worse. And if this is where we stopped, wouldn't this be so depressing? But I love the redemptive second half of verse 23. That is so annoying. It says, the nations will know that I am the Lord when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Hear this. It's not that God just wants the world to know who he is. It's that God chooses to use broken people to make himself known to the world. That is not that, that God just wants the world to know who he is. It's that he chooses broken people to make him known. This just, it's like stopped me this week. I was reading verse 23 and I just couldn't get past it. I just kept running into it like it was a wall because it just moved me so deeply. I want you to, to think about this. We've missed the mark. We've only made it worse. We've only made it harder for our friends and our families and our coworkers and our children and our spouses to come to know God. We've only blown it. We've only made it worse. And I love it because God looks at us and he says, you with all of your brokenness are who I'm choosing to make me known in this world. And we've all done this. I want to just be really honest, really candid with you. There's a family member of mine right now in my life. And when I look at our relationship, I look at the way that I'm, I'm treating them, the way that I'm, I'm talking. God was just convicting me because he was helping me see that and I'm doing a very poor job of making God known in my very own family. Right, we've all missed opportunities. We've all hurt people. Some of you, this is the relationship that you, you swore that this relationship was gonna be different. And six months in, you're falling into the same traps, the same desires. For some of you said that you swore that this job was going to be different. That it wasn't going to control you. That you weren't going to live for your job. That you were going to do this as a way to provide. And yet you find yourself. It's all about you. We've missed it. We miss it. We've missed it. We keep missing it. And I love it because God looks at us and he says, despite what you've done, I still choose you. Brandon, I still choose you. You know, it's so ironic that I'm teaching on this text. Courtney can testify to this. Finley woke up this morning at 1 a.m. and she chose to stay awake till 4.30 a.m. and which means that we were up that entire time. And we like did everything we knew how to do no idea what's going on and I go in there and I lose my temper and I'm mad at her I'm just like quit calling my name like let me go to sleep I gotta preach today <laughs> for three and a half hours she cries this morning I'm 
in the office going over my notes and they finally wake up and I FaceTime her and, and I just look at her and I said, I'm so sorry for like, so sorry for how big of a jerk I was. So sorry for being angry. She has no idea. She takes the phone and kisses it. Like she doesn't think anything about it. But I go, isn't it ironic that God is using a broken and sinful man who literally sinned like several hours ago to proclaim to you who he is? I go, do you connect with that? Do you sin? Do you fall short? Is God still using you? Yes. Are you still prideful? Yes. Are you still self-righteous? Yes. Are you still greedy? Yes. Is God still using you? Yes. And it hit me this week that God is inviting us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to focus them on him. That Ezekiel 36 is God taking his finger, putting it in our chin to look up at his face. He's going, Allison, it's not about your performance. It's about my patience. He looks at us and he says, Steve, it's not about what you bring to the table. It's about God's determination to use you. He looks at all of us and he says, it's not about you. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. And when we, when we, when we soak in that, when we stop and like 23 punch us in the face, we go, wow, God, you're amazing. Not only do you not give up on us when we fail you, but you choose to keep using me. Wow. You know, God's marketing strategy is way different than ours. Go home and watch a commercial today. It's always the most beautiful girl. It's always the most handsome guy with like abs up to his throat. And we don't even know what the commercial is advertising. And by the end of it, we're like, man, I don't know what it is that they're selling, but I want it if I can be like that, right? And the way that our world advertises is they put the best, they put, they put the most beautiful, the put together, the most in shape, the healthiest. They put the best looking with the best smile. They put them right in front of us. And I love it that, that God... His strategy is so different. Do you realize that, that we're the faces on his billboard? That we're the people that he has put in the commercials? And when the world sees us, they were never intended to look at us and go, wow, look at how great they are. Look at how kind Evan is. Look at how patient Kirk is. Look at, how, look at how, how forgiving Joe is. The world was never intended to look at us and, and be in awe at us. The world was intended to look at us and go, wow, look at how good God is. That's who God's interested in? That's what God can do in somebody? 
I know that guy, and he's a jerk. That's who God wants. God wants a girl like that who, who doesn't have all the answers. God wants a guy like that who, who continues to stumble. God wants someone like that that doesn't have it all together. You see, and, and God has positioned us here to be billboards that declare his greatness, that declare his goodness, that declare his patience and his love and his mercy so that when the world looks at us, they go, man, if God could use someone like that, maybe he could use someone like me. If God could love someone like that, if God could include someone like that, maybe he could include someone like me. And I think the truth that we see in Ezekiel 36, verse 23, is that, that God cares immensely about the world knowing him. And he cares immensely about using broken people like you and me to make him known. And here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And the way that he does that is by giving us the Holy Spirit. The way that sinful and broken people are able to represent God is because he gives us the very spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God that was there in the beginning. He gives them to us. I love verses 24 through 28. Dave and I, we were looking at this text this week and we go, man, there's no way that, that we can teach this whole text. We'll be here for hours. And so next week, we're really gonna dive into verses 24 through 28. But I wanna skim over it just to give us a little appetite, a little appetizer for next Sunday. And this is what God has done. That this is the, the work that he has done, that he has taken sinful and broken people like us. And this is how he shows to the world who he is. I love verse 24 where it says, God says, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and I'll bring you back into your own land. You know, the Israelites, they were so incredibly undeserving of the love of God and life with God. That because of their own choices, they found themselves separated from God and separated from each other. They chose it. I think about this line that, that Dave used several years ago in a sermon. He says that, that sin takes us farther than we've ever wanted to go. That sin keeps us longer than we ever intended to stay. And it costs us way more than we were ever intended to pay. And this is a story of the Israelites. This is so many of our stories that, that we took our eyes off of Jesus. We took our eyes off of, of God. And we never intended to find ourselves far from. We never intended to find ourselves wasting five or 10 or 15 or 30 years of our life. But we wake up up one morning we go man I am nowhere near God and I love the truth that we see in verse 24 because it's not righteous and holy and together people that God goes after who does he go after in verse 24 people who've been scattered by their own choices 
Some of you You've started giving God a chance again. Some of you, this is your, your first time back among a body of believers in a long time. You got hurt. A preacher said something. Someone in the church did something to your family. You've been wounded ever since. Some of you, you've just been choosing rebellion. Do you want to know why you're, you're coming back? You know why you're back in this place where you're giving God space again in your life? It's because Ezekiel 24 is true. That God has always been in the business of bringing people back to this place where they know Him. Where they can make Him known. I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about this venue. I'm talking about this into intimacy with God and in life with other broken and people who don't have it put all together. Isn't it interesting so many times like we find ourselves back in this place and it feels like we're the ones that are taking the initiative. That we feel like, like God has given up on us, that God has thrown the talent on us, and yet we find ourselves coming here week after week. We, we find ourselves listening to Hillsong or listening to podcasts or in these conversations. And we go, man, there's no way that, that God could ever take me back. And the truth is that the, 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 the very fact that you are here is testimony that God is working. I love this quote in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I mean, have you guys ever read that book? It's really, I mean, I, I encourage you to read it. It's a story of Jesus written in a way that children can understand. There's this beautiful line in it that said that, that you would not be looking for him if he had not been calling to you first. And for some of you, you just need to know that the reason you're here is because God's been calling you. You didn't just get up out of bed and stumble into a church building. The sovereign Lord of the universe is bringing you back to him. I love verses 25 and 26, and we're really going to jump into this next week. He says, I will sprinkle you with clean water. I will cleanse you from all your impurities. And essentially what he is saying is, is that this is the work of Jesus Christ. He says God is in the business of, of bringing people who are scattered, people who are sinful and broken and bringing them back to himself. And he introduces us to Jesus, his death and his resurrection that I love it all throughout scripture. The scriptures are emphatic that when anyone turns to Jesus in faith, you're forgiven. When anyone turns to Jesus in faith, when you get to this place where you go, man, I trust that, that Jesus is enough for me. That he really died on the cross, that his blood was really shed, that, that he was really laid in a tomb, and that three days later, he, was really, he really came back to life. When you come to this place where you trust in Jesus, where you have faith in Jesus, 
God says you're forgiven. And we no longer have to drift through this life wondering if God is angry at us, if he's mad at us. That because of Jesus, we're forgiven. You see, but Jesus didn't just come to get us out of hell. He didn't just come to, to forgive us. He didn't just come to die for us. He came to live so that we too could live. I love verse 27, and this is, the, this is so good. God says this in verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you. He says, I will go after you, and I'll bring you back to myself, and I'll forgive you, and I'll cover you in the blood of Jesus. And then I'm gonna give you my spirit so that you can go and make known to the world that I'm in the business of forgiving sinners. That you can make me known in a world who does not know me. Do you realize that God could reveal himself any way that he wanted? The six or seven billion people that live on this planet, do you realize that that if that God could, could interact with each one of us however he wanted. He could send people emails to let them know that he's real, right? I mean, he's God. He can do anything that he wants. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing off limits that God has been in the business of communicating with people, revealing his glory, revealing his character, revealing his heart through all different modes all different means throughout the ages. And yet I love the truth that we see in Ezekiel chapter 36 is that one of the most beautiful and significant ways that God is choosing to reveal himself is through us. Dr. Brantley, I'm sure is a really awesome guy. But the thing that made me want more of God was seeing what God had done in his life. Watching this guy put others above himself. Watching this guy staring death in the face and saying, God, I'm yours. That only happens when the Holy Spirit of God is inhabiting broken people. When we encounter God, the response is to always want more of him. You ever had a moment where God answered a prayer? Where he redeemed a situation in your life that you didn't think could be redeemed? You ever tasted his goodness? You ever felt his healing? Has your heart ever been stirred for Jesus as you've been in the word? When we encounter God, we always want more of him. And the Holy Spirit is God's gift to the person who wants more of God. That the Holy Spirit is, is not for those who have it all together. That the Holy Spirit is for bankrupt people who know that what they need and want is God. As followers of Jesus Christ, 
those of you in the room who are covered in the blood of Jesus, who have been forgiven and filled with this same Holy Spirit, we get the joy of making God known. Maybe you're in sales, maybe you're in construction, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a teller, maybe you're a college student, maybe you're a preacher. God has put us on this earth to know him and make him known. And the joy that comes when people that we love the most start to know him, unmatchable. I have a family member right now that for a long time has been running from God. And I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And a couple weeks ago, I found out that they had recently been going to church, just out of the blue. There's something about watching people that you love move closer to Jesus. Unmatchable joy. And God says, this joy is yours forever. So know me and make me known. Let's pray.